Rachel, welcome to the Free Your Energy podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? No complaints. I feel free. I feel good. And I'm really ready to just learn about you and your your passions, your story, what has helped shape you to become the person that you are. So let's let's jump back. I want you to think about uh, let's go with a even number. Let's go with six. When you were six years old, where were you at? What was going on in your world? What were you thinking? What were you feeling? When I was six, I was in Toronto, Canada. Um, I was born in South Africa and my mom followed a spiritual path that led us to the United States. And so I moved to New York for a little while. And then when I was six, I was in Toronto. Um, I just remember being in the snow. It was the only time I ever really lived in a cold climate. Um, and I wasn't there very long. Um, and then I moved to LA when I was seven. And that's when my mom remarried. So I think that that was a kind of a pivotal point in my life. Because up until that point, it was just my mom and I. Um, and then now I had to share her. But it also helped me grow a lot because when you're a kid, you have these challenges and there are some things that you do to cope. For example, I sucked my thumb and my mom tried to get me to stop any which way possible and it wouldn't work. But then once I found out I was going to be a big sister, that was it for me. I was like, what? I'm going to be a big sister. I'm going to be a role model. Okay. I can't do this. And somehow it got, got me to kind of shift into another realm where I didn't need that to cope anymore. Um, because there was something else that was more important that replaced that. Um, and so, yeah, like that's what I remember at that age. It was when my family transitioned from just being my mom and I to now being um, a complete family. Not that we weren't complete before, but just, I guess, a bigger family. Um, but yeah. Was your, was your dad uh, alive? Was he in the picture? Where, where oh, was he? yeah. So my dad is still in South Africa. I've been talking to him a lot more now um, because of what's happening with Corona globally. Before that, I would still talk to him every other day, but now it's um, kind of throughout every single day. He's there alone. I'm his only family, um, but he won't leave. He's, He's safe there. And by safe, I mean comfortable, because if you know anything about South Africa, it's really unsafe. And I would love for him to leave, but he won't. So I just do what I can and plant little seeds every now and then to remind him that I'm here and I'm his family and it'll be okay. He, you know, he has people that can help him transition, but um no, he's comfortable there. And I guess I just need to respect that. And then, so you touched down in LA, you're seven years old. So, uh, what is this nineties? Is this in the nineties? Yeah, I was born 1990. I'm going to be 30 this year. I'm oh, really nice. excited. Thank you. Yeah. When's your birthday? June 14th. June 14th. Okay. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Got a little birthday coming up. Yeah. I'm big on birthdays. I I like so I think I think I went through this period where I was like, oh man, it's just a birthday, no big deal. 
But like as I've as I've just grown and like, you know, gotten a little wiser, like I'm really into birthdays and like celebrating birthdays and celebrating people. Like I love getting invited to birthday dinners and you know, I, I love it. Or do you have any plans uh yet or any intention for your birthday? Um, well first, when's your birthday? August twenty third. August twenty third. And how old are you? I am thirty-four. Thirty-four, awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I, do I have plans? No, I don't. I kind of don't know what's going to happen. And I, I have friends of mine who've had their 30th during quarantine. So I've already, uh, I've already asked them to come and join me for mine whenever or whatever we do. Hopefully we'll be able to celebrate. Um, but yeah, I, I love birthdays. I think I didn't when I was younger, just because I didn't want to grow up. But then once I got older and realized I don't really grow up, it became exciting because knowing you don't really grow up, you just kind of grow and experience new things and transform who you are. Like this, like growing when you're younger, you don't understand what it means. When you're young and you think growing, you just think of age and getting old. But now as I've lived through the growing stages, you realize it's not a physical thing. It's more of a spiritual thing so i'm excited that's an interesting idea she don't really grow up hmm okay what uh when you got to la what neighborhood were you in because obviously when people say la i mean it's a huge area so what what neighborhood were you in when you first got there so i'm jewish and i I'm a part of a spiritual organization called the Cabal Center. When my mom um, and I left South Africa, that was the spiritual path that she joined. Back in the day, there was no internet, you know, so they would send people out around the world to kind of um, just let people know what what they're up to and their teachings. My mom liked it and they actually funded our, our move to the States. So when, yeah. Um, so that was an, another, you know, mini community that I have been so fortunate to be a part of, and I'm still a part of it. Um, so in LA, there's, um, there's an area called Pico Robertson area. That's where a lot of the Jewish communities um, live. And I've lived in this area my entire life here in LA. That area is called P- Pico Robertson? Robertson. Yeah, it's adjacent to Beverly Hills. Okay. Because a lot of the times the environment that we're in, you know, really shapes who we become, right? The whole nature versus nurture. And yeah, um, how do you feel like that environment as a kid uh, shaped you, you know, from the ages of like seven to, gee, you know, just like say 14 as you become, uh, you know, you kind of move into your teenage years, what were some of the things going on? Did you have a bunch of friends? Were you outside playing? Like walk us through what, what it was like living in that neighborhood. So I feel very, very fortunate. And I remind myself of this every single day, whenever I'm having a bad day or I just want to give up and think there's no point in trying anymore. I, I remind myself of how fortunate I am to be where I am. And I, I know I'm where I am because of the spiritual community that I've been so fortunate to be a part of. So growing up in a spiritual community, um, 
it's it's like growing up in a positive home environment, but it's more than that because it extended into the relationships I had with my friends, into the relationships I had with my family. Um, things were taught to me that were normally only taught to adults, but what the Cabal Center has done is they've made the spiritual teachings very, very practical, very, very simple. So going to school, I went to a school at the Cabal Center. And while I'm learning ABCs and my math and geography and everything else that you learn in school, I'm also learning skills like um, giving people the, the benefit of the doubt, always trying to find the bigger picture trying to, um, you know, see what my part in this situation is. Yes, my friend's hurting my feelings, but it's making me feel a certain emotion. Why am I feeling this emotion? What is it that my friend's doing that is making this emotion come out of me? And I've been taught these things from such a young age that they've become second nature. Um, And I think that's why when a lot of people read what I write, and what I share with the world. And then they find out that I'm only going to be a 30 year old. They're kind of stunned because the depth of how I'm able to put into words, the experience is, I guess what the outside world would think as, you know, like you, you shouldn't know this yet. You're, 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 you're too young. You, you haven't lived yet. And it's like, why does my age need to determine the life that I live? It's not about, you know, going back to the whole grow, growing up thing. You you can become older, but it matters what you do with your time. You can be, you know, I, I could be having conversation with a 50-year-old, but their mind is still back at 25. So the age doesn't really um, factor in, I don't think, when it comes to life skills and Um, being able to internally look inside yourself and see what your part in the world is, which I try and do every day. And some days I'm better at it than others, but I know that as long as I keep doing that, I'll get where I need to be. What was high school like for you? High school. High school. So being in a Jewish community, I went to an all girls high school. Um, it, you know, up, up until I graduated high school, I think I was in, I wouldn't say a bubble, but I was in a comfortable space where I wasn't challenged, um, in the sense of what, um, I see my sisters going through. I have three younger sisters and they didn't have the same experiences I did going through Jewish private school. They went to, um, the public schools in the Beverly Hills district. And I, and I sometimes compare my experience to theirs and very, very different. My, my first real experience when it came to, I don't know, peer pressure or just seeing um, diversity and different ethnic groups was when I went to college. I went to Santa Monica college, but up until that point I was, um, I was kind of, I was kind of sheltered, I would say. Um, but I don't think it, it, it confined me at, at all. For some people, it it may, but it didn't for me because if I didn't get what I was, if I didn't get what I needed in that space, I'd find a way to 
you know, I'd find a way to get it. I'd find a different outlet or a different medium to express myself or to consume um, information. So that is my high school experience. And I feel like high school age is right around the time when people start really figuring out some of their some of the things, you know, they're interested in or things they may be good at or things that just make sense to them. And I think that, you know, when you have like a good support system around you, they can they can help you tap in. You know, they can help you tap into what you're into. Were what were you into like when you're in high school? Like as far as like your arts or your passions, you know, maybe music. Like wh- were you able to obviously you're a writer now and a teacher now. Like did you kind of know that yet? Did you know that in high school? Like talk talk to us about that part of it. So I was pretty young in high school. I skipped two grades. Traveling a lot when I was younger. Somehow I skipped kindergarten and then when I was here in LA, I skipped fourth grade. Um, I did the third and fourth grade work together. So I technically just kind of skipped myself ahead. So I was pretty young in high school. Um, I graduated when I was 16. And yes. And so being younger than everyone else, I think it made me kind of um, more introverted while I was at school. Um, you know, I love to read. I did love to journal. I, I have so many journals. I've kept all of them. Um, and I think that I got to know myself in relation to myself, but I didn't really get to know myself in relation to other people or in relation to what I wanted to do with my life necessarily until, until I was a little bit older and until I started to go to college and I was exposed to all these different courses and curriculums that I hadn't been able to experience before. Um, Growing up as an older sister, I am seven years older than my next sister and 13 years older than my youngest sister. So I was taking care of them a lot of my childhood. So that could be where my love for uh, children came from, but it's something I've been doing my whole life and it's the most fulfilling thing. Um, I can't think of doing anything else as far as a career. Um, And what else? I'm trying to think. I haven't thought back to that age in a really long time, actually. I know. like one, That's the crazy thing is once you kind of start diving in and, and really just thinking about it, then your memory starts getting jogged and you start remembering certain things, certain feelings, certain places, you know, yeah. even, even down to like the details of certain shoes you used to have. And uh, I think it's such a good practice. I think it's a healing practice to just go back and kind of piece your story together. And the, the ironic thing is, I feel like people piece their story together differently every single time they do it. I agree. I definitely agree. Right now, I've had a thought growing up, um, you know, that that period of time where I'm growing up and I'm getting older and the things that I should be able to do are changing. I should, you know, or at least in my mind, I'm thinking, I should be allowed to go to the movies with my friends. I should be allowed, you know, like things that, that um, didn't involve parental supervision, right? But my mom was always so strict with me. 
And she was so strict with me. The way that I saw other um, parents of friends of mine that were strict with their kids when their kids would misbehave or the kids wouldn't mm. make good choices. And I would always, I, I would always do my best to, to make good choices. And I wouldn't understand why is my mom treating me this way? Why is my mom confining me? Why won't my mom let me go to sleepaway camp? Why won't my mom let me walk by myself to the pharmacy? Why won't my mom let, let me do these things? And it, it isn't until I visited my dad in South Africa for the first time when I was, um, when I was 18, that I realized why my mom was the way that she was. And that was a huge breakthrough for me because when you go to South Africa, it's very dangerous and you never leave your car. You never roll down the windows of your car. Every home has electrical barbed wired fences and you have a key ring that you take with you from room to room in the house. And if you leave the kitchen and want to go into the dining area, you lock the door and you do that from the living room to the bedroom to every single space in the house has its own gate with a lock. Like that's how dangerous it is there. So not in, you know, it, it took a long time and that was, that was really big for me because I built up a lot of resentment against my mother because I'm thinking she's just me. And I'm thinking she just wants me not to have a good time, but that wasn't it at at all. And I laugh now because my thinking was so limited back then. So uh, that, that was definitely a highlight during that time for me. So for her leaving South Africa, it was like, did she she leave to kind of escape what you were just describing? Like that, that, that unsafe feeling the 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 fear of living there is was that her intention of leaving uh south africa um she tells me that it definitely played a big part in it and giving birth to me and holding me and thinking of you know where she wants me to be raised and how you know like you said the environment matters so that definitely played a part in it so it, it was it was half of that, and then half of her just um, following her own spiritual path. My mom is very spiritual. She's she is a healer. She she is goals. I I ask her I ask her for advice all the time because I'm I'm somehow in a position where people will come to me for support, and I'm learning how to support them in a way where. Um, it's a positive experience for myself and for them. So whenever I find myself stuck or trying to support someone and it's not really going the way that I thought it would, I always go to my mom and I'm like, mom, okay, this is what's happening. What am I doing? How can I show up for them? How can I be there for them and remove myself and just support? And she's, she's been my rock and my light. Mm, Very, very, very grateful for her. And then when you went back to South Africa and you, you kind of looked around and you kind of, you said you had that experience where you understood your mother a little bit better mm-hmm. uh, and you under, did you ever have a conversation with her after kind of expressing that to her? Okay. What, what was that conversation like? I was like, oh, now I get it. <laughs> I totally get it now. And it, it made me feel even closer to her. Um, than I think I had ever felt because I I now knew 
a deeper part of her that I would have never known unless I experienced it myself. Um, so that, that definitely brought us even closer. Hmm. And the relationship now with your mom, is it still, is it still strong? Yeah, we, um, we, we definitely clashed a lot. Um, I, I, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's just me and, and, you know, just like my soul and the, the soul I was born with and just, you know, like, cause I believe that we're born with, um, you know, we're, we're born carrying something from a past life. I don't know what your viewpoint is on past lives. I believe in them. And I believe that we come back with something from our past life to work on that's, that's the purpose of, of coming back. Cause if we were born perfect, what's the point in being here? So I don't know if it, if it's that, um, I kind of lost my train of thought for a second. Remind me what the question was. Yeah. So you're just talking about how the conversation with your mom, how, how it changed, how you kind of, after you went to South Africa, you, you started to understand her a little better. You know, then I asked you if your relationship is still strong. Right, right, So you were right. talking about, yeah, like how you guys clashed. Yeah. And then you started talking about your past, the past life, which I'm going to yeah. ask you about the past life. I, oh, I, need to, I need to know where you're coming from with that because I've never heard that. Really? Okay. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about that. But I, I now I, I got my thought back. So I don't know if we clashed because of, because of that and what I came with, but... Or, or if it was because of my, my childhood experience, which is, yes, I was raised in this community with a lot of people, um, and I always felt supported by everyone around me, um, and I kind of always did my own thing. I, I made my own choices. I went where I wanted to. I, I fought for myself. So as, as I grew up and I continued to do that, and being my mom's first child, you know, my mom, my mom always says, yeah, I made my biggest mistakes with you because she has a totally different relationship with my sisters. I was her first experience of being a, a mother. So uh, I'm like, you know, here I am wanting to be independent, feeling like I should be able to be independent because I am such a great person, you know, so we clashed a lot. We clashed a lot. Um. I didn't like being told what to do. I, it made, made me feel like she didn't trust me. Um, so I moved out when I was 19 and we, we had a little bit of space, which only again brought us closer because we had, we had um, time to reflect and appreciate what it is that we love about one another when we are together and, and, and what we missed when we weren't. And you know, my mom was able to re reflect and then share her reflections with me about how she realizes it's time for her to take a step back and for me to figure out what I want to do. And I was able to reflect and share my reflections with her about how much I see that everything she does is because of how much she loves and cares about me and just wants the best for me. Um, it taught, it taught us how to communicate, communicate that, um, better and differently. Cause I think that when you're, when you're with somebody and you're constantly around them and you don't get a chance to, um, to miss them, the way you communicate is different and it's more reactive. It's more in the moment, but when you have time apart, you don't need to respond right, right, right away. And you can kind of think about it beforehand. 
And that really, really, really helped us a lot. And that's helped me in, in many relationships in my life. Do you think, uh, talking about that space, do you think that space, so that's, you, you know, you're, you're using that about the relationship with your mom, but do you think uh, with friendships or like romantic partnerships, do you think that that space is also uh, a good thing? I think it depends on the intention of the space with my mom, you know, the intention is, is, and will always be to be close to, to love and care and cherish one another and continue to find things to appreciate about each other. So with that intention, always being, um, you know, always being kind of the umbrella, um, it doesn't matter how much space we take, we're always going to come back to that same place. But as far as friendships and other types of relationships that you may not have that same, you know, that, that, that same intention with, it really all depends because I think that when people ask to take space from one another, it could be very passive aggressive because they don't want to actually deal with what's happening. So they'll think, Oh, if enough time passes, you know, this situation will kind of fix itself or they may just, um, you know, take some space for, for other reasons because they really want to end something, but they don't know how to do it because they're afraid of hurting the other person. So they just kind of hope that by doing this, you know, something will happen, that the outcome will be what they wanted, but you know that that never really works out, <laughs> you know, and unless we, unless we're, we're the ones in control of the situation, we, we, we can't expect it to work out the way that you think it will just by create creating space. It's what, what you do with the space and the intention behind why you need, need the space. Um, I, I definitely think I'm going to keep that, keep that with me. The, the intention acknowledging like the intention of the space, like, like yeah. what's the purpose? Like I'm a person who I'm really big on purpose. That's one thing we talk about here on the free your energy podcast is we're talking about, you know, how do we find daily purpose and how do we create daily purpose? And when you say, you know, making sure that there's an intention in the space, I think there's a, that's another toolkit, another, another thing for us to keep in mind as far as adding purpose to our lives. Yeah. And I really need to hear your thoughts because you introduced me to something that I don't think I've heard before. You said uh, that, you know, you believe in past lives and that, you know, we have these past lives and then the the, the life we're, we're having is there's some purpose we have to get out of it to like, you know, avenge what we did in our past life. I'm not trying to mix your words up. So I really want you to kind of explain that to me again and just tell me what you what you really like mean by that, because it's, it's a new idea to me. So let me let me get let me get your thoughts on, on what you were breaking down to me. Totally. So firstly, I'll say um, there's never there's never, um, you know, you use the word avenge and it makes me it makes me think of it in kind of a negative way. I, I'm not I'm not saying that's the, the way that you were trying to, you know, portray it, but it, you know, we're, we don't come back to kind of um, repent for something we did or as a punishment for something we did. Like everything that happens is just to make us be more complete, just to get us to our next level, just to continue to lift us up higher and higher and higher. So my, my, my own past life, I, I've been fortunate enough to get a past life reading done by an astrologer who, um, looks at, um, 
you know, looks at the, the astrology and everything, the planets alignment, the stars, everything on the day that I was born, the time, the place. And from there, she's able to tell me what I was in my past life, what I went through in my past life, how my parents today relate to my past life, not necessarily them as people, but them as the energy that they brought into my life. Because another thing that I believe in is that we travel in kind of like soul groups, you know, like, like, like when you think about soulmates, I think that, that your family, like your immediate family and friends are a part of your, your soul group. And you guys have lived lifetimes together. And the reason why we are put in these situations with our fam, with our family and with our friends is so that they can push our buttons and ignite things within us that we came into this world to reveal. And it's done in a way where it's so merciful because I'm sure, I'm sure you've heard, heard of this, where like you, the, the friends and family that tell you how it is, like they're, they're, they're the people that you need to keep the closest to They're They're the people that love you the most. So to be challenged by the people closest to you, knowing that they are also the ones that care and love you the most. It, it's done in such a merciful way where these things get ignited. And yeah, the things may not be, be so pleasant. You know, it's like, oh, I didn't know I was angry my whole life until this happened to me. And it's like, okay, so did that person make you angry? Or did that person make you realize that there is anger inside of you that needs to come out so you can see it? And look at it in its face and acknowledge it and then choose to let it go and choose to work on, you know, let, letting that part of you go. So um, my own, my own past life, and I only did this recently. Um, I did this last year and it, it was, it was crazy because what you are in your past life doesn't really matter. You know, I feel like people can hold on to like, oh yeah, I, I, I was a prince. I was a king. I, 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 I was this, I was that. It doesn't matter what you were. It matters what you went through. And my past life matched up with how I've been feeling my entire life exactly to a T where, you know, I have, I have these fears of abandonment and it's because in my past life, my parents gave me away to an orphanage and I've always, and I've always had these feelings. And I think that could go back to what I was saying before, where my mom and I would clash because I always felt independent. I always felt like I was alone, but I know I wasn't alone, but somehow I acted like I was and thought that I should be treated like I am this independent, um, this independent person that doesn't need to rely on anyone. And it's because of what I brought with me where I was abandoned. I was alone. Um, so, you know, that's just one, one example, but then there are all these things that I've been dealing with my entire life that just relate back. Um, and I would love to answer any other questions you have about past lives. Cause I love past lives. I, th I think, I think it helps us in this lifetime so much more than, than we can ever dream. All right. Past life. So this is going to be a hard concept for someone who one has never heard of it. And two, they're not open to, you know, the idea of what it can present. So Let's break down some of the physical parts of it, because I think at first when you think past life, you think of yourself in your own physical body. So is that 
is that an element of it? Like, okay, I'm a black male, <laughs> African-American male. If in my past life, is it possible that I'm a, you know, Hispanic woman? Like, like how does the physical manifestation of the body work, um, you know, with, with past life and, and present life? Um, so what I think, cause I, I have learned this more in, in detail. Um, but I don't remember everything, but what I do remember is what I'll share with you, which is, I know that a soul is a soul and the body can be anything. And the body that you're put into is so purposeful and so, um, so perfect for what your soul needs. So, you know, if you were a Hispanic woman in your past life, that's what your soul needed in that past life. And if, and if you completed that lifetime and you still had things that you needed to, you know, to work on and reflect on, then maybe you'd come back in this lifetime as an African and American male, because now your soul thinks like, okay, now in this body, I think this will be a better body for me for now what I need to work on. Like, I really think our soul chooses and it can choose anything. It, it you know, it, it, we, we, we are set up for success. There, everything that happens to us is positive, whether we want to look at it in a negative light or not, it's always positive. And I think the soul knows what it's doing. So the soul chooses its body. The soul chooses its parents. Um, you know, it says like, I want to be born in that country. I want to go there. And like, it, it do- doesn't choose it because it thinks it's going to be easier. It, ch- it chooses it knowing, okay, that's going to be the thing that challenges me the most for me to remember that this is what I need to change. Because we were, we're born forgetting why it was that we came here. Does, does that make sense? Like, Mm-hmm. So would you would you say yeah. that then the the quest of life is to kind of figure out why we came here? Yeah, I I, I really believe that um, our purpose is to find out what our purpose is, and I also believe that your purpose once you do find it, you'll know that it's that it's your purpose if it has two parts to it, which is it fulfills you and it gives you. Um, it gives you some sort of means to also share with the world. I don't think that anyone's purpose in life is ever something that is self-serving for themselves. I think that every single person has a purpose that can be, you know, fulfilling for yourself, but also something that you can share with the world. And that's another thing that we need to be always thinking about like okay this is my passion i'm going to pursue this i'm going to master it i'm going to be great at it it's going to make me feel fulfilled okay now how can i use this to share kind of like what you shared with me before our conversation um about how you chose to use your platform and create a place to share with other people and to invite other people to come and share so you took something that fulfilled you for so many years and now you're at the point where it's it's, it's, it's giving you so much light and fulfillment that you just have to share it with everyone else. What is, or are your purposes? Have you found, have you found a few of your purposes? Talk to us about your individual take on that. My individual take on my purpose. So I, I've, I've been thinking about that a lot more um, recently, just trying to master it because because I also have the things that I need to be working on, they can kind of overlap. 
Um, and I do know a huge purpose of mine is to help people. Um, I do it through teaching. I do it through my writing. Now I just need to take it to the next level and do it in a way where, where I kind of remove myself from it and I empower other people. So right now my purpose is to share my own experience, like you're giving me the opportunity to now, and then also share in a way where I kind of remove myself and it empowers other people to to transform their their own their own lives. I don't want to tell people what to do. I don't want to I I, I, I don't want to do anything that makes them feel like they're not the ones in, in control. Um, because then if something doesn't work out, they won't take responsibility for it and they'll they'll blame me. So that is a big purpose of mine. And that's the purpose that, I've been focusing I, on. I, I used to hear that before because uh, I used to do personal training and mm-hmm. um it was a, one of the side jobs I did as I was getting going as as a writer. <laughs> and my clients, they got results because I was, you know, I was heavily involved in the process. But you you rejogged memory. You made me think of this one guy. And uh, he, he blamed me. He was like, yeah, man, you know, you're the reason I'm not getting the results I want. And I was like, at first, like my, my ego was hurt. <laughs> I was like hurt. Wow. But then I started thinking about it and I was like, wait a minute. I'm not the reason why. Like, dude, I have 90 clients and they all have like you are literally the one percent who's not getting here. And so I started talking to him and. You know, I'm a very, very direct person. So I just started asking him, like, okay, you're working out with me two times a week. What are you doing those other five days? Like, be honest. And it was such a powerful moment for us because he was finally able to, like, break through that, where initially he was blaming me. He was yes. blaming me and blaming me. And then he finally broke through. And what he was really trying to say was, he, you know, he wished he could see me every day because the two days he's with me, he's completely locked in for those two days. Um, even even though we're only out together for about an hour and a half, the rest of the day, he's got the energy to continue where he wants to be. And those other five days, he was resorting back to his old, you know, old behaviors. And it was so, man, I remember that day it was so awesome because I was just like, I'm not your problem. You know, I was like very, very direct. It's kind of like what you were talking about with the soul family and how, you know, your soul family just, they, they, they keep it real with you. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling them like, I'm not your problem. Like I know for a fact this works. It worked. It's working with 90 other people who are doing a very similar program. Like I know it's, I know I'm not your problem. And he's like, no, you're the problem. And man, we had that conversation, that, that, uh, that conversation. And, uh, he didn't want to work out for a few weeks. He was like, you know, I need a break, but he came back and he's like, okay, come on, let's do it again. I want to, I want to try something different. So I was like, okay. So we were doing a program where there was a lot of mobility and like flexibility and some weight training. And I think that the way that program was set up, it was, it was just mentally too hard for him, even though he needed to be challenged and push. I think that specific program was too hard. So what I had him do was I had him meet me at the pool because he loved to swim. So we would get at the pool at like 540 in the morning because, we, you know, in Arizona, it gets hot. And it, I was working out with him in the summer. So we wanted to make sure we got there nice and early. So we would do about 30 minutes of pool work. Then we would get out the pool and then we would only do about 15, 20 minutes of strength training and then about 20 minutes of uh, the mobility stuff. So at first it was like 
40 minutes of strength training and like 45 minutes of mobility. So I just reduced that and I got him in the pool because he loved the pool. He loved to swim. And that's what got him the most results. He ended up losing about 70 pounds and uh, wow. he was just he was just so happy. And man, you just jogged such a great, great memory for me. Wow. So that, that what I want to know something else. Can I share? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So um, another way it could have played out, let's not say, you know, not the same exact situation. But another thing that I think is something I'd like to share is desire. Um, that could also be the driving force that's lacking. And that could be what separated him from the 90 other people that it was working for. Because we start something, we start a program, and we really need to ask ourselves, okay, why am I starting this program? Am I starting this program because someone told me to? Am I starting this program because it's the, you know, it looks like it's the quickest, fastest way to to get where I want to go? Or am I starting it because my desire is to transform? My desire is to become the best. My desire, like, so another, you know, another thing to always be thinking about when you're doing something and it's not working out for you is just keeping yourself in check and kind of self auditing yourself and, 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 and just check, checking in and making sure that your desire is either one still there or two, the same. Um, and then you have a choice. Like, am I going to, am I going to strengthen that desire again and keep going? Or am I going to take a step back and realize, you know what, I actually don't want to be doing this. Maybe that could be why it's not working. Maybe it, maybe it's not the right fit for me. So desire, desire is huge. I'm constantly checking my desire. Desire is, is a very interesting thing, depending on the principle uh, that you kind of the frame of what you're looking at it through, because in some different um, spirituality practices like Buddhism, for example, mm -hmm. uh, they actually talk about how desire is one of the main causes of suffering, you know, um, even in in um, what is that the Tao as well, like they talk about how desire can cause suffering. And <clears throat> I had a really hard time when I first started when I was reading that a couple of years ago, it was about 10 years ago, and it might have been a teaching from uh, Alan Watts, actually. I think he was talking about how yeah. desire is the cause of suffering. And I had a really, this was about 10 years ago, I had a really, really hard time with that because, you know, I'm born and raised in America. And in America, what we are given is desire. Like we're given desire mm -hmm. and we're we're basically told to push for our desires. Even when you ask someone like, you know, what, what is your purpose or what are your goals? It's usually a list of certain desires that we have. And it's such an interesting topic talking about desires because personally, I choose to see the duality of them. I choose to see how they're great driving motivational factors of behavior. And, but then I also do see how desires cause us suffering and how they can cause us pain. And it's one of those things where I don't feel like the answer for desire is like clear. I don't feel like it's a, a black and white thing. I feel like it's a very, very gray area yeah. and it's very like subjective to each person's situation. So how does someone listening, you know, they're, they're having desires and some desires are helping them. Maybe some desires are hurting their life. Like how would you say that they kind of audit themselves and, and, and figure out what to do about the desires or, you know, how to hold on to which desires to hold on to or which ones to let go of. Like, you know, walk us yeah. through like your process or what you think about that. 
So I, I categorize my desires into two different categories. One is something that is self-serving. It, 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 it's just, it's just for me and it's just to fill up a space of lack that I'm feeling. Okay. That could be what a desire is. It, it could be lust. It could be greed. Those are types of desires that maybe the Buddhists were referring to when they were, uh, you know, where, where they weren't not so for desiring because it can lead you down a road where it's just chaos because you're desiring things that that fill you up for one moment but then after that moment is is gone that 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 feeling of being full is gone too so i'm always auditing myself and separating my desires into okay am i desiring this because i want to feel good in this moment and it's going to make me feel good only for you know, however amount of time, and it's only going to make me feel good, and it's going to only benefit me? Or am I desiring this because it's really, really hard to push myself to reach my next level, but I'm desiring, you know, X, Y, and Z, because I know it's what I need to get there? Um, Am I desiring this because I see the effect it has on me and the people around me? Am I desiring this because I've been pushing it off for a long time, and I see that my life isn't really moving at the pace that I want it to. And so now I need to desire more. I want more. I, I, I believe that, and I've been taught to believe that, that we, we deserve it all. We deserve everything. Everything that you can dream of wanting and having is, is yours. But the way that you're going to get there and the way you're going to gain those things is what determines whether or not you're, you're, you're going to get there, one, and whether or not you're going to get there and be able to stay there. It's, it's, it's that concept of, of, you know, like I, I'm desiring my partner. And once I have my partner and we're in a relationship and we get married, am I still going to desire them the same way? I have to always be thinking that at any moment in time, this person can just get up and walk away. I need to put in the amount of effort I put in the beginning to get it throughout the entire relationship. And that's the type of desire that I think I'm speaking about that is so important to just maintain and kind of make sure that that, that that's the driving force. And it's not the desire to do things the, the easy way, not the desire to, um, you know, to, to be selfish and do things in a selfish way and a self-serving way, because we, we want everything. I truly believe that, that we want everything in life and we don't only want it, but we want to keep it, you know, like that feeling that, that you felt like, think, think of that feeling that you felt when the greatest thing in the world has ever happened to you. And imagine just holding on to that feeling and desiring that feeling in every area. And that's what I strive to do with my desire. And I hope that that can help listeners kind of differentiate between their own desires. Is it a self-serving instant gone just as quickly as it came desire or is it a lasting fulfillment going to fulfill my life fulfill the people around me's lives going to continue you know leaving a legacy that's what you want your desires to to do to impact the world in such a positive way that it carries on forever i just thought about one more thing talking about that um but let me know if we're done talking about desire and then i can move on to to the next thing that I thought about. I am not getting in the way of your train okay. of thought. Please okay. continue. So, so going on and speaking about how, how our, our desires and keeping our desires in check affect the people around us, the virus, the, 
the virus that's spreading in the world right now. Okay. So it, it's done a lot of things. One thing that it's done for me, and this is what put it into perspective for me. A friend of mine shared this thought with me and it blew my mind. The way that people are recognizing how their energy or their germs transfer from one to another and the impact and the the purpose and just how important they are to the people around them in you know a, a hygienic type of way that is exactly how our energy is that is how powerful our words are that we speak that is how powerful our thoughts are that we speak our words and our thoughts spread just as quickly as our germs they impact people and affect people's lives just as easily and quickly as touching them or you know coughing it's it's the same thing and i think that it really has made people more aware of how important they are and how important it is to make sure that what you're doing serves you and everyone else around like cuz it's not just about you anymore it's about everyone so that that cuz in the beginning when everything was happening i was having a very hard time processing it i was having a very hard time accepting it and once i did and once i found this this outlook and just a way to to look at what's happening and see the the magnitude of how many people are waking up now like their minds are waking up they're realizing oh i'm not the center of the universe anymore oh it's not just about me oh it's not just about getting this house or buying this car or getting that gucci bag it's 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 bigger than that there are things that matter more than that so i i'm i'm grateful for that and i'm grateful for what has been happening in the world as far as a shift in consciousness. So I, So I where does the world go from here? What what's one of your what's one of your hopes? You know, because I uh, I believe that the concept of normal is what a lot of people are seeking, right? That's kind of like the desire. It's like, hey, I want to get back to normal. I want to get back to normal. Well, in my opinion, after you go through what we just went through, like normal changes, normal, normal shifts. Even if we don't acknowledge it, it's it's going to it's going to be obvious, like things will have to change. So, yes. you know, I know you've been affected as a teacher. You're doing you're doing calls on, on the Internet. Like what's one of the things that you're looking to normalize when we go back to, quote unquote, normal that maybe wasn't normal for you before? Hmm. Trying to think. So in my own, so basically you're asking me in my own life, when I go back or, you know, go back to the new normal of what life will be, what will be different because of what I went through. Correct. Yep. Yep. For me, um, what will be different? I will definitely be a lot more compassionate. I'm a very compassionate person, but I also can get caught up thinking I know. And if this has shown me anything, it's that there's so much that can happen that leaves us in a state of uncertainty where we, where we don't know. So I'm going to always keep that in mind and always 
apply that, you know, to, to things people tell me, I won't take things um, on the surface level level. I'll always go deeper. I'll always, I'll always, um, just give people more of the benefit of the doubt and be, be kinder and softer and more compassionate, which again, I, I do, but at at an even deeper level where, where I'm able to show up for them and just support them. Because I think if anything, people just want to feel supported. And I think that, I think we're doing a good job. I'm really proud of, I'm really, really proud of us. You know, there's, there's so much good happening everywhere that I look and my, my wish is that it continues. And I do think things are going to be very different. Do you, what what do you think is going to happen? Do you think the world's going to just go back into place like a puzzle? I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what I think. I think it's, I think we have our routines and we have behaviors that we're, we're used to. And some people have lived the same way for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. And, you know, they're comfortable in, in the way that, you know, the, the route they take to the grocery store and people just have their routines. Right. And I think that some people are going to completely maintain the exact same life they had before. But then I think there's another group of people who were completely jolted. You know, um, like I remember this. I was reading this report that said uh, like 73 percent of Americans live check to check. And then like another one of them said like 66 percent of Americans couldn't handle, you know, a four hundred dollar emergency if it happened. You know, and then, you know, I think about how many people have just issues with like obesity um, just mental health, uh, just, I think about all of the problems. Right. And then my question is, and I don't have the answer, but my question is, how do you solve your problems when the resources, you know, some of the resources are now not accessible or weren't accessible. Like if you have a money problem and then you're not able to work or you lose your job, well, your money problem is bigger. You know, if you have an obesity problem, you know, and say you were seeing a trainer, we were just talking about that. Your trainer was getting you right, but now you can't see your trainer anymore. Like, how do you, how do you deal with that? You know? So I think that you know, there's some people who just go back to their normal. They weren't really bothered and they're fine. And then I think that there are some people who were completely jolted and their whole life was disrupted. And I think that their new normal is going to be completely different. Ultimately, though, for me personally, uh, what coronavirus has done for me is it helped me realize that I need to take a break from work. And I mean, for eight years, I haven't taken a break. I haven't taken a vacation. And really, that's only eight years as an entrepreneur. You know, before I started doing entrepreneurship, I worked at my, my corporation for three years. So really, since 2009, I haven't taken a break. I haven't taken a vacation. I've never I've never logged off. I've never taken time off ever. And I think Corona is teaching me that I need to take about three months for myself to really figure out what I want the next, the next phase of my life to be, you know? Mm. Um, I think with everything in the space. 
yeah, the, that's the intention in the space is. So I kind of been thinking about this and I'll share it with you because this is, I mean, the organicness of this conversation. I just love it. And this was an inner thought, but I definitely want to share it now that you kind of sparked it. What I really want to do personally, and I'm just talking on my life, is I have a course coming out. It's called the DPLN course. It's going to come out on May 1st. So by the time this podcast comes out, that course will already be out. Um, but I just want to talk in the present. So I have a course coming out on May 1st. Tonight, I have to turn in my ninth book to my guy who's reading it because I have a guy who's reading it for the audio book. And so I have to turn in something to him because he's going to the studio tomorrow. So where I'm at, like in my career is a very like transitional period. Like I'm finishing a book, I'm launching a course. Um, and then I want to be done. Like I want to be done. I've never, the as a, as a writer, you never feel like your work is done. As a host of a podcast, you never feel like your work is done. Like there's always another topic to talk about, you know? It's it's like the news. Like there's always something. There's always some new headline. There's always something to report on. And I feel like as a conscious creator, as a human, as a writer, for my own healing, for my own clarity, for me to sharpen my vision, for me to for me to do other things that I'm passionate about, I need to take like a 3-month break. And I don't think that that break is going to be, you know, people don't see me or hear from me from like in, in, in terms of like the podcast or sharing my stuff, because I have ways to automate everything that I do. Uh, I think it's me getting really, really, really. And I have I have employees. I have people who work for me. So I think what it is, is I need to empower the people who work for me to completely take control. Like, hey, you know, you handle my post for me, please. You make sure all my podcasts go up. I have someone who does all my emails and my orders. And like I have a whole team of people. So I think for me personally, it's really like just taking a step back and just asking myself, like, what do I really want to do in this moment? That has nothing to do with work. It has nothing to do with creating. But what do I want? Like, what do I want to feel? What What are my desires? What do I want to experience? And, you know, when I when I asked that, I realized, like, I need to go away from social media. I don't need to look at social media. I don't need to see the news. I don't need to see other people's lives unless I'm there present with them. Like, and I need a at least like a three month period of feeling like that. I don't need to be responding to text messages like I want to hear your voice or see you in person. That's it, you know, and I know that for me to kind of create that. I need to be very, very intentional and consistent day after day after day. And I just feel like it's going to take me like a three month period to really, really feel that. And and so that's yeah, one thing I want to do yeah. personally. And I kind of set a goal too. I, I set the goal for my birthday. My birthday is August 23rd. So my mind was, hey, if I get my course out, get everything done with my book and just kind of finish my projects, don't start any new projects um, other than I'm working on my novel, but I want that to just come creatively, freely. Um, mm -hmm. Just don't start any new projects. Don't sign up for anything. Tell everyone no. Like I always talk about boundaries. So I, I'm just creating a healthy boundary and I'm telling everyone no. People always want me to you know, come on their pod, write this, do Nope, I'm not doing nothing for you guys. Uh, I need <laughs> I need me, you know, and I think that that's what I want my gift to be. Like my birthday is August 23rd. So I think from September 1st, through the rest of the year, I just want to lock in to just free my energy on just another level 
and just seeing what it'd be like to not log into social media, no news, hardly using the phone. Uh, and I feel like the everything would be back to normal by then as far as like the ability to travel. Um, so I want my, my traveling to be, uh, you know, I've traveled for work for nine years. I haven't traveled for myself. Wow. So I want to travel for myself and just do some of the things I want to do. And yeah, so that's that's what I think my new normal is going to going to really yeah. be. And will also, that be able to happen? Yeah. No, but we'll see. I think I, I think it will be able to happen. I think that you're you're putting it in the universe that you want it to happen. So you also need to be prepared for however it happens, you know, because you you said you have a goal and you're you're mat you're manifesting the creation of it, but then I feel like we also need to let go of that of of the process. Like we need to let go and just kind of be guided towards that goal. And it may not happen in the way you thought it was going to happen. You know what I mean? Like I think that your goal is amazing and I think you're going to reach your goal. But I also have a feeling that it's not going to happen exactly the way that you're planning it out, which is its own blessing in itself. And I think just, you know, just keep keeping in mind again, like your your goal is what matters and how you get there is just a part of your your process. And you're going to get there the best way that you're meant to be getting there. Um, yeah, I'm I'll really excited for you. I'm really excited. Thank you. I, I feel you on that because, you know, I was an athlete. And one thing the coaches would always tell us is, hey, we're going to go in here with a game plan. Right. We're going to have the game plan. But once you start getting hit, <laughs> once you yeah. start sweating, once the pressure gets on, the game plan has to change, you know. And I'm so grateful for playing football because that's one of the things that my coach has always said. It's like you may have the perfect vision of how life is going to go, but you always have to be willing to adapt and to adjust, you know. And that's I think I think that is what probably probably the Buddhists were trying to say with the desires is like, OK, you're going to have these desires, but you know, another term that the Buddhists use is increments is meaning everything is temporary. Like you have your desire, but life is temporary. So even if you have the desire and the perfect plan and you're executing it the best you can, like you never know. Whoop, okay, coronavirus, change your plan, you know, or whoop, oh, you break your foot, change your plan. You know, you're training for a marathon and you break a foot. Now what? Now you gotta change the plan, you know? So I think that uh, that ability to adjust is just yeah. so, so important. Speaking of adjusting, you are a prolific writer, in my opinion. Thank you. So are you. Let's let's talk about your writing process. What is it? What does it look like for you when you, you sit down and you, you write? Like, talk me through it. So my writing began as just me journaling and then. Twitter. I got introduced to Twitter in, I don't know, 2011, 2012. And what Twitter did to my writing was it taught me how to say what I wanted to say in a very succinct way. And it taught me how to be very purposeful with my words, intentional with my words. And it also taught me how to write and express myself in a way where it's open to interpretation. There are some things that are, you know, a punch to the gut of truth. And then there are other things that I word in a way where depending on who you are and where you are in your life and, and, and what matters to you and just what you're going through, it can mean something different to you than it does to me. And 
I try and infuse that into my writing as much as I can, because again, going back to what I said before, I don't want to tell people what to do. Who am I? I, I, I have my own book that I'm working on that will God willing come out this summer after five years. I'm so excited. It's called, nice. yeah, it's, it's called what you missed while blinking from one know-it-all to another, because things happen in the blink of an eye that we aren't aware of. There's always two sides to everything that happens. And then there's the whole underlying um, know-it-all mentality that I think we can get caught up with. And we have to remind ourselves that even though we think we know, we, we know it, it, it could be something else. There, it, it, something else could be happening. There could be another way to look at this, which, which doesn't mean, you know, letting go of what you believe in and letting go of your beliefs. You still hold on to those. Those are still what make you who you are, but just being open to knowing that there's more than what you see and there's more than what you can see with your five senses. Um, like the tangible aspects of life. Um, so when I write again, I write to, to express things in a way where it gets people to think for themselves, empower themselves. And then a lot of my writing is inspired by conversations like this that I have with, 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 with friends of mine, or I can be listening to someone else share an experience that they had and they can get me thinking, or I can listen to a podcast. I can read a book. I can read something online. Anything and everything can inspire writing. And I do some of my best writing when I'm going through really painful situations, um, really, really painful situations because I, I'm, I'm able to go through the situation and be upset, be angry, have my feelings, but I never get stuck in them. I always find a way to bring myself out so that I can write down how I'm feeling in the moment. Sometimes I don't write things down. You know what I love? I love voice notes. I, I record voice notes on my phone. I've recorded myself being in the happiest mood. I've recorded myself sobbing and crying. I've recorded myself angry. I've recorded myself feeling powerful. I've recorded myself in the moment so many times. And I listen back to how I'm feeling in the words that I'm speaking. And I use that as a lot of my writing content as well, because when, when something happens to us and we're feeling an emotion, a lot of the times by, you know, by the end of the day or by the next day, you, you, you lose, you lose what it really felt like. And when you try and write about it, it, it's not, it's not the same. It's not the same feeling. So another tool that I use is writing things down in the moment, recording things in the moment. Um, and a lot of the times I re record them just as a release. There, there are some things I'll never go back to, but I, I just use writing and my voice as a re release. And if I'm lucky enough, some of it will, you know, will be stuff that I can then share with the world. But some, some of it's just there for me to kind of just get out. It's, it's my release. I totally relate to that. You just got to let it go, man. That, that's the one thing that I think newer writers, they don't understand because they're overthinking the process a lot. And you have to just let it go. You know, you you might hate the writing in a year or so. You might you might not even like it tomorrow. But in that moment when you created it, 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 it is what it is. Like you just create it, let it go. People are going to love it. People are going to hate it. I mean, none of that. that that's that's an external reaction yeah. to it. You know, the process of letting it go, that internal, just letting it go. That is so freeing. 
And I just want to encourage like any writer. I know a lot of writers listen to this podcast. Just just get it out there. You know, we don't need to overthink our work. We just need to allow our work to especially for writers who are writing from like an intuitive, uh, emotional place. You definitely need to just which is most writers, I would say you need to just express yourself. Don't worry so much about the grading of how things are going to work. Like for you putting out your first book, I can tell you some advice. Would you like some? Oh, of course. First, you're going to feel a million emotions when you put that book out. You know, when 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 you see people holding your book, when you see your very first order come in, it is going to feel like something you've never felt before, especially since you've been working on it for five years. You've been writing your whole life. You have to allow yourself to feel every single element. You might cry, you might scream, you might dance, you might break down. You have to allow yourself to feel it. I can honestly tell you that allowing myself to cry when I released a book, I screamed, I yelled, I was so excited. I'm I'm like in the house by myself, just like, let's go, just like yelling. Like you <laughs> have to allow yourself to just feel every single uh, moment because it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Uh, it's been a lot of work. Five years is a, that's half a decade. That's a long time. That's a that's you going back and forth over ideas. Is this good enough? Is this good enough? Nah, this sucks. I can't share this. And when you get to that final product, it's going to be one of the best feelings you've ever had. And you just have to honor it and listen. And then what I what I hope you do is I hope you take a little bit of time to not work on anything else. <laughs> Speaking, this is the guy who just worked nine straight years on books. I hope you take a little bit of time to not work on anything else so you can just really respect and just honor that project and just give like a good closing to that project. And then when you feel ready, start writing because your itch to start writing again is going to get multiplied once you wow. see that other people have your books. Once you see that first book go out, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I got to get going. Okay, they need more. They need more. I need more. And then when you get that first message and someone's like, hey, I read your whole book. And you're going to be like, dude, the book's been out for two days. And they're like, no, 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 I read I read the whole thing. Uh, so when's the next one coming out? <laughs> Rachel, you're going to be like, what? You need you need book number two. You know how long it took me to give you book number one? Yeah. So honor, honor it. Take Give yourself a little bit of time. And, and then don't judge it. After you put it out, don't judge it. It doesn't matter the sales, if they're if they skyrocket, if they're low, it, that doesn't matter. Just I don't even care, it, about, care about any of that. Yeah. That's another reason why matter. it's taken so long, though. Yep. It, it it really is. But one thing I thought of when you were talking about um, honoring the project and not feeling pressured to write goes back to what we were talking about just right before that, where you know advice to other writers could be something I personally experienced. I don't know if you have as well, but I'm sure it's a common thing that we experience where you have to remind yourself, hey, who who am I writing for? Am I writing for, for everyone else or am I writing for myself? And I think always bringing it back to yourself is the key because there have been times where my my writing has spread all over the globe thanks to my dear friends at The Good Quote who I love and adore and appreciate so much. I've, I've had moments where overnight my writing became a, a global um, 
you know, it had a global audience and I felt this pressure to write. And I was writing based off of what other people were resonating with more, where I kind of forced myself to get a certain type of material out. And it, it, it never played out the way that I wanted to, you know, those pieces didn't do as well as the, as the first pieces, because the reason of why I was writing wasn't because I was being true to myself. It was because I was trying to, to give a product. I was trying to meet other people's needs rather than my own. So I think a really big thing to keep in mind when you're writing is to allow yourself to be vulnerable, allow yourself to be yourself, work at your own pace. Don't feel pressured by, by your audience. And, and that's where the best writing is going to be created. And that's where it's, it's so funny how it works out in my own experience, where if I stay true to myself, write for myself, and write about myself and things that are important to me, other people end up relating to it even more than I ever did. And it's so funny how that always works out. I don't know if that's happened to you. I 100% agree. The second that, and it's a tough thing because I think any artist of any genre is going to go through this. Like, hey, do I make songs for my audience or do I make songs that are genuine to me? Yeah. And I think there's like, I think there's like uh, a duality of like finding that that balance, right? Because like, let's take an artist like, um, let's say like Tupac, all right? Tupac is an artist who, there's so many different sides of him, just like there's so many different sides of us, where you can make a Dear Mama song that's completely dedicated to mothers and your mother, but then you can also make a Hail Mary song where it's like, look, if you guys bring me hell, I'm going I'm to bring it back, you know? And mm-hmm. I think staying true to yourself is really the key to that, like finding that duality, like of what type of content you need to make. I think it just comes to you if you just stay true to yourself, you know, like I'm writing loving yourself properly, but when I get done with that, I'm never going to write about self-love again. I'm not going to have a, any desire to, you know, I've been writing about, I've been writing in this book for a year. When I give my, my readers this book, I'm Can not going to write it? about yeah, I'm not going to write about self-love because it's it's over to me, you know, and it's just like now I got to tell you guys about uh, my novel. Like I have to tell you about these characters I've been developing, you know, it's just like you have to stay true to yourself because your reader wants to grow, too. Like they don't want to see the same stuff from you and they don't mm-hmm. want to they don't people want to know that they have a genuine relationship with you. You know, they don't want to see you just faking it. You're, you're just making stuff up. You're just giving them something just to give them something. Nah, like. Think about, you know, you're an artist you like. And then we've all we've all said this like, oh, man, this this ain't the old so and so, you know, oh, this ain't the old weekend. This ain't the old Kanye or whoever you like. You know, this isn't the old banks like it's not the old banks. It don't it just don't hit this. You know, we've all said that. And I feel like as long as the artist is staying true to their journey. That's the point. That's okay. Because the artist, you have to live with yourself. You know, your fans, they can come and go. Your readers, listeners, they all can come and go. But as long as you stay true to yourself and your growth, that's how you have the most closure. And I have this quote here. You may It may sound familiar, but it says, I'm in love with things that remind me my troubles are small. Mm-hmm. Yes, and you mine. you published that March <laughs> that, 6th. That's me. That's you. I have a couple more I like. Um, this is a, this one right here. It says, you can't heal your wounds if you're too busy hiding them. 
There's a pattern in your pain and the pattern is called opportunity. All you have to do is this is all you have to do is decide you're ready to change them. And the best part is you get to choose your change and you titled wow. that one. No, no more hiding. And then uh, one more, one more here. Wow. This was published the day before my birthday. You published this one, August 22nd. My birthday is August 23rd. You. It says, I feel like the quality of life will make a dramatic increase if we would put our phones down and held our heads up high long enough to discover the beauty right in front of our faces. Yeah, that's it right there. And that aligns with exactly it. See, see how in alignment we are? What did I tell you I want to do for my birthday? And you, you wrote to me. put everything down. Put everything down. And yet you wrote me exactly what I needed to see for my birthday last year. Look at that. It's just for you. I love that. Everything comes full circle. Everything comes full circle. So how can we, how can we find you? Cause I know my listeners are going to be like, okay, I got to find this girl right now. I, I just followed you on Twitter, by the way. I found you on Twitter and Yay. I love Twitter. Twitter's awesome. Me too. Twitter's my first love. Twitter's there when everything else is down. <laughs> Twitter never I goes love down. Twitter. <laughs> never. People come to Twitter every day. They're like, oh my God, my Snapchat's down. My, my Instagram is broken. Twitter's like, yeah, I'm here for you. I got you. Always. <laughs> I love Twitter. So Twitter, Twitter and Instagram are my two social media handles that I use the most. Um, but I'm hoping to expand that once my book comes out and who knows, maybe I'll start a podcast too. <laughs> you, you've so inspired can, me. What's your, what's your name on, on Twitter and Instagram so they can find you? You can just search my name, which is Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L, Wolchin, W-O-L-C-H-I-N. Okay. That will be my handle for everything. Okay. And you said you're doing a podcast, huh? I may. <laughs> I'll have to I'll have to ask you for some help with that. What do you uh, <laughs> what are you thinking right now? What, what's I know your brain is moving. What are you thinking right now? What would it be called? Um I like what you miss while blinking, honestly. I think I can I can keep that up. It may it may evolve. Um, I like conversations with friends. I think that that exists already, though. Um, but but kind of like you know, kind of, I really like this. I really really enjoy this. I must say, this has been my first experience on a podcast, and I have loved every single moment of it. And not because of what it's brought to me, but what I feel like we've created together. I think we've created a really good thing here that is going to shine a light for others. In so many ways that we don't even know yet. I hear you. People want real. You know, well, people are tired of curated nonsense. We want real. And that's what I love about the podcast platform is it's just it's just straightforward. It's honest. It's real. And it allows us to tell stories and, and just connect. And I hope that we can continue to uh, keep you as a friend of the podcast. When you yes. get your book out, you definitely come on. And I love to just like get some wine or tea and just sit and listen to you read your book, to be honest with you. That'd be really cool for me. I would love and, to do that. Yeah. So do you have a, a publisher or yourself publishing the book? Um, right now I'm working with the good quote oh, okay. and okay. we'll see, we'll see where, where that takes me. Um, 
well, I have some other things, but they're not confirmed yet. So I don't want right. to gotcha, gotcha. hey, speak hey. of it yet. Yeah. As, but, as my um, uncle used to say, hold your water, hold your water. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I'm, I'm so excited. Um, and one more thing, taking your power back. One thing that really stood out to me at the, you know, throughout the second part of our conversation where we were talking about how we're going to feel and how the world's going to look like after all of this and, um, you know, being ourselves, staying true to ourselves, allowing ourselves to be vulnerable and seen and things that happen that, you know, can, can rain on our parade. It can make us have to come up with another plan. It can send us in another direction. But all of that, I think, ties into one thing, which is reminding you of how powerful you are and how your routine may be broken. The way you did things in the past may be different now, but you are, you are what you have throughout that whole thing. And you need to take your power back. You need to remind yourself that, that these external things are great, but we may, we may invest too much of our energy into thinking that those are the things that make us great with or without anything. We need to believe that we are great with or without our gym membership. We have to believe that we can take care of ourselves and be healthy and, you know, sweat and move our bodies with or without being able to go to college or to school. You need to believe that you can sit down and you have the internet and you can go and you can search. Like there's no excuse for not doing what it is that you need to continue to fulfill yourself. And that all comes from taking your power back and just remembering that it's all, it's all you and inside you. All those things are just extra tools that help us throughout the day. It's been amazing listening to your story and your journey, Rachel. Thank you for joining the Free Your Energy podcast.